Hello, and welcome to In the Privy Council, a weekly podcast reviewing cases heard before the Judicial Committee of His Majesty's Most Honorable Privy Council, brought to you by the Legal Style Blog. I am your host, Elijah Granite. This week, we are discussing the case of Attorney General of Trinidad and Tobago and Charles. The citation for this case is 2022 UKPC 49, TNT. As a preliminary note, this is actually the second Privy Council case this year involving Mr. Achille Charles. Confusingly, the first published case, 2022 UKPC 31, is styled Attorney General of Trinidad and Tobago and Charles Number 2 because it was a later numbered appeal despite the reserve judgment coming first. Also, remember that because Trinidad and Tobago is a republic, this case was decided directly by the Judicial Committee without advising His Majesty the King. With that out of the way, let's look at this case. This case examines how a codified right to legal protection works in practice, and how it interacts with traditional common law rules about damages. It arises out of the 2010 arrest and charge for murder uh, of Mr. Charles, for which he was held without bail in the Port of Spain prison, which Trinidadian courts have previously found to have inhumane conditions. The lack of availability of bail formed the subject matter of the previous case this year involving Mr. Charles. A preliminary inquiry began in 2012 by the then Chief Magistrate and continued with Mr. Charles remaining in custody on remand until 2017, when her worship, the Chief Magistrate, was appointed by the President on the advice of the Judicial and Legal Services Commission, that's JLSC, to the High Court. The new acting Chief Magistrate then ruled that part-heard matters, including Mr. Charles's, had to be heard again de novo. That is to say, starting from scratch. The consequences for Mr. Charles were disastrous, not only because it meant he could face remaining in prison for years more without conviction, but also because he had been able to pay for an excellent attorney for the existing part-heard proceedings, but could not afford to pay legal fees for an entirely new set of proceedings. Mr. Charles then sought relief for breach of his constitutional rights under the Constitution of Trinidad and Tobago. The Constitution provides, in Section 14.1, for a freestanding action for redress of the breach of constitutional rights. In this case, uh, Justice Ramcharan, at first instance, found that Mr. Charles had indeed had his constitutional right under Section 4.b, which safeguards the right to the protection of law, breached. Specifically, the decision of the JLSC to appoint the Chief Magistrate to the High Court, without any consideration of the collateral legal effects this would have, or any contingency plans to deal with part-heard matters, despite the fact that there was a constitutional duty to take such measures, constituted the breach. Consequently, Justice Ramcharan awarded both compensatory and vindicatory damages. The Court of Appeal overturned this decision on the basis that the finding of a breach of duty by the JLSC had not been pleaded, there was no evidence such a duty existed had been put forward, and the government did not have proper notice to respond to such a contention. Mr. Charles, in turn, appealed to the Privy Council. For the board, my lord, Lord Hamblin of Kersey, divided the case into three issues. 
The first issue was related to the pleading issue, identified by the Court of Appeal. These were irrelevant because the Constitution only requires that the claimant show that the state breached his constitutional rights. It was completely irrelevant which arm of the state did so, because the state as a whole had such a duty. Therefore, the decision by Justice Ramcharan to correctly specify the JLSE was immaterial. The second issue was if Justice Ramcharan was correct to find that the 4B rights of Mr. Charles had been violated. Here, the board applied its previous decision in Maharaj and Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago, 2016 UKPC 37, TNT, in which the Lord Kerr of Tonamore gave general guidance as to how protection of law constitutional provisions, common in many Caribbean states, should be interpreted. The late Lord held that these provisions were to be given a broad and pervasive approach, going beyond just access to justice, but stretching to protection against fundamental unfairness and irrational and unreasonable exercise of power. This meant that there were times when the state was constitutionally obliged to, quote, take positive action in order to secure and ensure the enjoyment of basic constitutional rights. However, any claim for breach must show serious prejudice suffered as a result of the breach and that there was no prompt and effective legal remedy apart from constitutional proceedings available. When the board applied this precedent to the facts of the case, it was clear that this was a colossal misstep for which the state had offered no justification. It was irrational, unreasonable, and fundamentally unfair as an exercise of power. For the JSC to carry out the appointment without any consideration for the obvious fact that this would force oppressive conditions on those like Mr. Charles. The resulting consequences caused major prejudice to Mr. Charles, as he could not afford counsel for a second inquiry, and left him in inhumane prison conditions for an extended period. Equally, there was no legal remedy available for the appellant. Thus, the claim for breach was clearly made out. The final issue in the case was the question of the damages. Section 14.1 only mentions redress, but a long line of case law, including the aforementioned Maharaj, establishes the rules for when damages can constitute appropriate redress. Generally, where someone can show a loss caused by a breach, compensatory damages can be awarded to make up that value. However, because the purpose of redress is to vindicate the constitutional right against oppressive state action, there are times when further vindicatory damages need to be awarded as a public signal of the importance of the right at issue, and to deter the government from future violations. Because this process requires a careful assessment of the facts, it is the lower court that is best placed to make this assessment, and the appellate court should respect the better position of the lower court to judge this. Here, the board found that the judge was entitled to find the compensatory damages for the legal fees of the second inquiry. As for the vindicatory damages, the board found that the extra period of incarceration in extremely challenging conditions would itself qualify for vindicatory damages. Although the second inquiry resolved relatively quickly and in Mr. Charles's favor, 
the two years of suffering and mental anguish caused by having to start a trial over again could not be regained and were not erased by subsequent developments. Thus, vindicatory damages were entirely justified. Turning to our analysis of the judgment, this case shows again the unique nature of constitutional jurisprudence. Constitutional interpretation is far more purposive and expansive than ordinary statutory interpretation. When deciding a constitutional case, judges, to paraphrase America's first Chief Justice John Marshall, must never forget it is a constitution they are expounding. This means the sweeping and inclusive nature of the freestanding right to legal protection in the Constitution covers situations beyond merely access to the court. Equally, the unique nature of a constitutionally created form of action differs from traditional suits against the state. Vindicatory damages are rare at common law, but when a court is assessing a 14-1 action, it is first and foremost tasked with upholding and vindicating the constitutional right itself, rather than merely the individual claimant. Thus, in constitutional cases like this, it is conceptually helpful to remember, to quote perhaps the most famous Privy Council case, Edwards in Canada, 1930 AC 1240,PC, the living tree of the Constitution is always party to the case, and that judges are tasked with having regard to the future growth and health of that tree as much as they are with the facts before them. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of In the Privy Council, brought to you by the Legal Style blog. If you want more legal content, visit our website, legalstyle.co.uk, or follow us on Twitter, at Legal Style blog. If you have any comments, suggestions, rants, or raves, the email of the podcast is editor at legalstyle.co.uk. We also welcome any ratings or reviews on your usual podcast platforms. Until next time, goodbye, and remember, together we aspire, together we achieve. <laughs>